ready to act up and get snatched up if you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I know y'all were ready to send out the search party, but I've saved y'all the trouble. Here I am, once again, back in front of the microphone, ready to give y'all what y'all have been missing. I know it took me until the second month of 2021 to get it together and get back on track. But I'm here nonetheless, and what better month to make a return for this podcast, this show, than Black History Month. It just makes sense based off of the title. There is a life update that will pretty much explain why I needed to take a little bit of time off. And I think it's a good enough excuse for y'all not to stone me. So I did get a new job, right? I don't work at the former company that I used to complain about on here all the time. Yeah, I'm no longer an employee of them. I have a new job. A, a nice title comes with that. And, you know, I'm I'm happy, a lot happier than I was a good two months ago. I can honestly say that. There's just no more of that I'm not happy doing what I'm doing stress that I was, you know, having in my life. But I did need to get adjusted to this new position, just get myself invested in what I'm doing. And so I needed that time to really just soak in the job and soak in what I'm doing now. And now that I've gotten all of that under control, I'm back to doing what I love, which is podcasting. The good news is I don't think y'all will ever hear me complain about work ever again, or at least for a very long time. I'm truly happy at this new job. The people are great. The culture is great. I'm doing something that I've wanted to do, what I went to school to do. And I just, it's, it's a wonderful feeling to roll out of bed and be happy that you're actually going to work. I used to dread getting out of the bed and I would get out very slowly and I'd be like, oh God, I hate this. I hate what I'm doing. I don't feel that anymore. So I'm happy about that. Happy to be doing what I'm doing. I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to do it. Yeah, it's, it's just going to make life a lot easier for me. But now that you guys know what's been going on, I have to do what I have to do. And if you've been a listener of this show, you know exactly what's about to happen. We are in episode 11, 11 of Highly Melanated, Never Duplicated, and I am your host, Janice Jackson. You know, the other day I was thinking about how much I love the title of my podcast. Like, I really love it. Not only does it describe me perfectly, but it just flows off the tongue anytime I say it, especially when people ask me about the name of my podcast after I've told them that I have one. It just, it flows. It's perfect. I love how my mind worked. It's a powerful thing. But anywho, again, two months into 2021, I could talk about quite a few things. I really could. I mean, we really started off the year with BS. We all know what happened at the Capitol. I don't have to really go into too much detail. In fact, I'm not because I don't want to repeat things that I've already said or things that other people have already said and they've just went ignored and unnoticed. But what I will give a note on is I find it to be funny 
that the so-called patriotic white folks trespassed, bombarded their way into, and destroyed a building that is supposed to be sacred to America. So if you were, in fact, patriotic, you would have done none of that. Like, you would have done none of that. And of course, people tried to sweep it up under the rug because of, you know, white privilege. But no, let's talk about it. There was so much to say about Black Lives Matter protests. Let's talk about this, though. Let's talk about where the real crime is at. And the fact that these people have been punished, are being punished, love to see it. In even bigger news, we finally got Trump out of that White House. He was escorted on out of there about a month ago, and I'm just hoping maybe he's making his way into some handcuffs, if we're lucky, (laughs) you know. It just, it was a rough four years, especially when in the last election, it was my first time voting. And imagine, knowing who I am based off of this podcast, voting... And then hearing that the results were Trump. Devastated. (laughs) Devastated. And I've lived four years of this, and it's finally over. And I have to say, grateful for that. Can't say that things are just peachy keen in this country, but you know what? I guess we have to take it one step at a time. But I do know that Joe and Kamala... They need to hurry up and get people their stimulus checks. And I'm not even just speaking for myself. I'm speaking for people who I know need that stimulus. And you've had well over enough time. If your priorities were in the right place, people would have had that stimulus check maybe in two weeks. And that's probably pushing it after the inauguration. Come on now. Let's stop playing. Right now, we're going to discuss what the main topic of today's episode is. And before we get into that, I just want to say, look, I am no film critic. That is not my job, not my calling. So I'm not trying to be Roger Ebert here, but I do have some points after watching Malcolm and Marie on Netflix that I think are relevant and important to almost anybody. People have been pretty critical of the movie, but I have to say that I actually enjoyed it. I can play devil's advocate here and go against what a lot of people have said in saying that I think this project was a a unique one. Like, I love the fact that considering the circumstances, this project could be made. I mean, we were living through a whole pandemic, so you only really have one set. You only have two actors And it's heavy, heavy dialogue, which I'm usually not a fan of, but it just, it really worked here. It really worked in this film. Plus, you have two beautiful leads. I mean, Zendaya, she's beautiful. She's fine. She's super talented. I still got beef with her because I never got my Daya by Zendaya jumpsuit, but that's besides the point. I think that she's a very talented Uh, actress. And then you have the very handsome, very beautiful John David Washington. 
sounds just like Denzel, but looks just like his mama, and it works for him. He's a talented actor who I would like to see more of. And it it just, they had chemistry. Regardless of their age gap, I think they had a good chemistry on screen, and it, it played out very well, in my opinion. And just to touch on the age gap thing really quickly here, I know that Zendaya was a child actress, and she's made that transition into her adult career and I think that people need to give her that respect she is an adult now she is a 24 year old adult and she's going to want to be in adult roles I think this is the first role that she's had where she's actually playing a character that is her age you know we need to give her that respect and treat her as the adult actress that she is Yes, John David is 12 years older than her, but they're both adults and this is a movie. Let's get over it. Like, accept accept the fact that adults be adulting and they do what they do. Now let's get back on track. I think why I was so drawn to the movie, because I've seen it like two times now. I think why I was so drawn to the movie is because it had triggers for me. Like, it was a bit too relatable in so many aspects. I mean, the audience is seeing this relationship play out in just the course of a night. But there was a lot of conversations that happened within that night that I think a lot of people are like, yep, Ben, I've had a moment like that. I've had that conversation before. And I said it was relatable, but I didn't mean in a good way because... This was a very strong depiction of a toxic relationship. And I don't even use the word toxic, but I would use it here. I don't think it was a very healthy relationship. And people will disagree with me. They will say, oh, you know, people have these conversations all the time. And they may have these conversations. But just because you have these conversations and you so-called bounce back from them, that doesn't mean that the relationship is necessarily healthy. People will disagree with me on that one, but this is how I feel about it. And I'll explain to you exactly why I feel the way I do. These two characters, Marie and Malcolm, it's very obvious, or at least the way I interpreted it, that these two individuals have compromised their boundaries just for the name of love. And I don't like that. Marie has to put up with Malcolm being a complete narcissist because she's in love with him. And I think in a way she's actually dependent upon Malcolm as well. Malcolm takes advantage of all of that while also holding on to the grudge of Marie being an addict or Marie cheating on him there's things that he's holding on to as well and he attacks her with those things also Malcolm was a very needy character like I think we should all rewatch the movie and anytime that Malcolm calls out for Marie we all have to take a shot we're going to be drunk because he literally if Marie was not paying him any mind or Marie was gone and he couldn't find her, this man was in a tizzy. It was almost like his whole life was falling apart. And this all leads to like very built up emotions to where Marie feels unappreciated 
And Malcolm is just really an ass. Like, and it comes to a boiling point when Malcolm doesn't thank Marie in his speech. And it leads to a night full of arguing, but it's a night full of just simply raw emotions. And what I think is realistic about this depiction is that a lot of us will allow ourselves to put up with certain things in a relationship, put up with actions, put up with the way someone talks to us, et cetera, et cetera, because the love that we have for that person is just so strong and they have this hold on us. But that doesn't mean that just because we bounce back from those things or we allow it and we sweep it up under the rug, that doesn't mean that those things are okay. It doesn't mean that they're acceptable. It doesn't make us a power couple. Here's where I go connecting my personal life to the topic In the relationships that I've been in, I've never been a confrontational person. I just, I don't like to argue. I don't like to raise my voice. I just don't like to do those things because I don't always feel like conversations like that are productive. And so I internalize a lot, a lot of my feelings, a lot of what I'm thinking, how something makes me feel. I internalize it and I sweep it under the rug sometimes. I'm not even going to sit here and lie. But when all of that has built up, all of my thoughts, all of my feelings have built up and someone does something that pisses me off, then all the cards are on the table because then I explode. And then here we are, we're in an argument and it's a bigger argument than it really had to be because I, I kept all of that stuff in and I let you say these, you know, little snipe things or I let you get away with this certain thing. And now we're in a bigger argument than we needed to be. And I think this is the type of character that Marie is because once you get to her monologue towards the end of the movie, you really see that she's been putting up with Malcolm's shit for quite a while. Like she's been feeling unappreciated for a long time. And it was the speech that was really just like the breaking point for her where she's like, no, we've got to address this now. And and she really didn't even want to address it because at the beginning of the movie, she's extremely standoffish from Malcolm and she just doesn't want to have the conversation, but he keeps pushing. He keeps pushing it. And then Malcolm is just like, Marie's here so Marie can do it. Like, he's not, he really isn't appreciative. I mean, this woman made him macaroni and cheese, even when she was pissed at him. While the macaroni did look a little watery. <laughs> I think that's going to be the name of this episode, Marie's Mac and Cheese. <laughs> but, you know, she, that's besides the point. She still made macaroni and cheese for this man, even though she was legit pissed at him. And it's like he didn't even really acknowledge that. So he's not an appreciative person. Plus, he holds her past against her. The fact that she was an addict, the fact that she cheated and he stayed through all of this, he holds a grudge against her. And so he feels like he can treat her anyway because he stayed by her side. He was there for her when she needed him and he feels like this justifies any of his actions when in all actuality it does not 
And this is why I say this was an excellent depiction of a toxic relationship. Because if these two people do not get it together and change their ways, they do not need to be with one another. And that's just that on that. Some of y'all out there are Marie's and some of y'all are Malcolm's and y'all don't need to be together, but you don't see it because you think that you're just this power couple who bounces back from everything when indeed you're going through hell and you don't have to be. (laughs) The world we live in is already a hellhole. Don't think I'm about to come home where I'm supposed to have peace and have my partner dig me further into the pits of hell I think not. (laughs) And I just, I wouldn't want to do that to my partner either. Having healthy boundaries, sticking to your standards is important because if not, you're going to have a lot of nights like Malcolm and Marie had. It's going to be a continuation and you have to decide whether or not you can live with that or if you're going to chuck up the deuces, pack your shit, and leave. You have to figure out which side of the book you're going to be on. I used to be the person who wanted to work things out regardless of the situation. But then once I realized my potential as a woman, once I developed the standards and my boundaries, I realized that I'm not just going to put up with anything. I'm not, because my goal in life is to be happy. And if your partner does not make you happy, if they do not add to the happiness, of course you're going to have those moments where you you guys don't like each other sometimes. But it's like if they're not contributing to your overall happiness, I just don't believe in being with that person. In terms of the film, Marie's fault wasn't being an addict, Maybe the cheating, not to excuse that. That was more of a fault than her being an addict. Her true issue was communication. She should have been a lot more vocal about how she was feeling. That is really where the issue was with her because then you have a night like they had and you're finding just anything to to argue about because... Now is the most opportune time because Eden really pissed you off. So now is the perfect time to put everything out on the table. And Malcolm's fault is that he is indeed a narcissist. He thinks the world revolves around him. But I don't think he really accepts the fact that Marie cheated. I don't even really think he accepts the fact that she was an addict and he had to take care of her. Anybody who throws a fact about the other person that they may be ashamed or embarrassed about back in their face in an argument, that's a low blow. In this case, it was the fact that Marie used to be a self-harmer. Malcolm believes that because he stayed through all of that, it's justification for how he treats Marie. He can treat her anyway because he put up with so much. And that's just not the case. You can't be nasty to somebody just because you've put up with things that you don't necessarily like about them. If you don't like those things, I don't know, here's a concept, leave. Like that, that is how that goes. So I hope this explains why this relationship was a strong depiction of a toxic relationship, because it just was not. 
It was not very healthy. And yes, both individuals were at fault, but Malcolm was definitely more at fault than Marie. Like, Malcolm wouldn't have got any mac and cheese. I probably would have left the house because if I hadn't, me and Malcolm would be in that place fighting like it was celebrity death match. Like, Malcolm was just not a great person to Marie. The moral to this conversation specifically, because I know someone listening is probably not as bad as Malcolm and Marie with their partner, but you're borderline there. The moral here is you really have to take a look at your boundaries, what you're comfortable with, your standards, your values, and say, is this person constantly pushing over the edge of these boundaries, of these values, of these standards. And if they are, it's time to address it. And either that person is going to change or they are not. And from there, you have to decide whether that's something you can deal with or if it's time to go. But I don't believe in compromising my boundaries, my standards, and my values for anyone And maybe I'll never have a relationship that works out because of it. But I bet you I'll be happy regardless. I know that. I'm not going through hell for anybody if I don't have to. That's just that on that. That's how I feel. And one more point on Malcolm and Marie before we wrap up on it. I just want to say that the true villain of this story was actually someone behind the camera. And that's the writer and the director, Sam Levinson. It's hard for me to say this because I truly do love his creative mind and his work with Euphoria, but I gotta hold him accountable. I've gotta do it. And here's why. Through almost every argument Malcolm had in this movie, you got what felt a lot like personal frustrations that Levinson has. And I just didn't really care for that. I don't like the fact that Levinson uses a black man to voice his own personal frustrations with the entertainment industry because two of Malcolm's big monologues, which happens at the beginning and somewhere maybe the middle of the movie is Malcolm expressing the fact that he doesn't want to be seen as a political director simply because he's black and his distaste with white critics because they see him that way. Essentially what it felt like Malcolm was saying, and maybe people will disagree is that He wants white Hollywood's acceptance for being a good director and not a good black director. Levinson is the only writer for this film, if I'm not mistaken. Levinson himself is a white man who contributes to white Hollywood. And like I said, I believe that Malcolm's frustrations are really Levinson's frustrations. And maybe this comes from the fact that You know, Zendaya is the lead for Euphoria. Zendaya happens to be a black woman, so people may assume that it's a black show. Or maybe even with this movie itself, you have two black leads. People are going to say that it's a black movie. And maybe Levinson just doesn't want his work to be considered black work. Maybe it's just good work. 
And if this is how he feels, cool, I guess. There's a point in the film where Malcolm argues that authenticity really isn't key. And in a way, I believe in that because it doesn't always, you know, play out in art such as television and film. And I also wouldn't say that I have a problem with a white director or writer having their work display blackness because it happens a lot. The issue for me is more so the fact that this film feels a bit inauthentic in this aspect because of a black narrative really being used to express a white frustration. But hey, what do I know? It could have just been me and I was looking into it a bit too much. That's just how I felt. Let me let me stop. And I know I'm pushing up on that 30 minute mark and you know how I do. Nothing has changed. I know I've been gone for a while, but you know we don't try to go over 30 minutes. If we do, it's okay, but you know, let's not get too crazy. I just have a few closing remarks. First, I want to say rest in peace to Cicely Tyson. I know it's been a about maybe two weeks since she passed, but I've been reading her autobiography, and I've got to say, I highly recommend it. It is so good. And we were so lucky to experience her talent. She And we were blessed that she shared it with all of us. What a legend, icon. I mean... To live 96 years, oh, she's seen a lot and she shared a lot with us and we were grateful to witness it. So I wanted to put that out there. And definitely, if you want a good read, read Cicely Tyson's Just As I Am. I don't think anyone would be disappointed. Secondly, Justin Timberlake, your cornball, and I'm glad the world is finally seeing it. You know, I have an issue with... The fact that Justin Timberlake literally benefited off of black culture and then left a black woman and not just any black woman, the Janet Jackson, one of my personal faves, in the hands of public scrutiny while he just went on his merry own way, continued to have a career, something that he didn't have to rebuild like Miss Jackson. And then, let's not even just stop there, what he did to Britney Spears after she wore that god-awful denim ensemble with you. You drug her through the dirt, too. I just, you know, I'm glad people are seeing you for the cornball that you are. It took you all of these years to give a public apology, and not even a good public apology, The people are reading Justin for filth, and I'm here for it. Love to see it. Love to see it. Lastly, I just want to say my locks are are locking up. They're getting strong. They're about to enter a new phase. And I'm also back in the gym, so my supreme form is starting to load. And with that being said, I just want to say, please watch how you talk to me. Watch how you talk to me. Because I'm not the bitch you want to have problems with, okay? Look, if y'all see me on my Instagram model stuff here soon, just know that a new era has begun. And don't talk about me, just accept it. And my ass is getting fat too? This is a warning, y'all. I'm about to act up and you need to be prepared for it. 
And that's on Mary Had a Little Lamb. So let me go ahead and close the episode out. I feel like most of my listeners are going through the same thing right now. And I know that my city is on a winter storm advisory. So it's cold, cold. And y'all know I don't do very good in the cold. So I'm probably not leaving my house all week. But I I hope everybody stays bundled up because I know I am, even in the house. We are prepared here. So stay warm, stay safe, drink your water, maybe get some tea, some coffee, make sure it's hot so you can be warm. Eat your veggies, eat your fruits, try to be as fit as possible. It's good for you. And I know y'all are furious about it coming up on about a year of us having to wear masks in public, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't still do it. So mask it up still. And look, I'm back, y'all, and I can't wait to give y'all all of these new episodes. I'm super excited, so please stay tuned. I'll holla at y'all in the next episode.